recording, but I want the record to show that Andy's still typing notes, and he's frantically tip-tapping away over there, making making notes. I'm making some last-minute notes. I got pages of notes. So many notes. Welcome to Fan Fiction is Good, actually, a podcast about how fan fiction is good, actually, where we have a very consistent schedule that I, um, that I stick to very rigorously. Um... There's uh, been no appreciable gap whatsoever between this and the last episode, or the last episode and the episode before that. Um, it's like a fun little surprise <laughs> whenever it shows up in your feed. It's like, a, no. hey, how's it going? How you no. doing? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to vampire hypnotize them. There has been no appreciable gap between this episode and the last episode. The- when you wake up. It will be the earlier this year. There's been no appreciable gap between last episode <laughs> and this episode. Exactly the normal amount of time has passed. <laughs> exactly the normal amount of time has passed. Um, anyway, we're, we're back here with Fan Fiction is Good, actually. And I'm here with my now spouse... Husband, wife, uh, Andy. Hi, how's it going? My favorite person in the whole world, whom I married. That's Andy. me. Yeah. Thanks for marrying me. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for marrying me. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah, I've been really enjoying both being married to you and having you on my podcast so far. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Boy, howdy. (laughs) So last time Andy was on the podcast, they were limited by the subject matter i decided we were going to talk about chuck tingle and specifically trans wizard harriet porber and the bad boy parasaurolophus but andy is also in some fandoms that were not represented in that podcast so this is a more freeform andy picks the topic podcast uh like most of my guests have gotten to enjoy uh why don't you tell the fine folks at home what you're going to talk about for this episode of Fan Fiction is Good, actually. Like Sir Courtney Penrose challenging Stannis Baratheon to a trial by combat. I challenged Evan to have me on as a full-fledged guest with my own free will to choose the topic. And uh, if you can tell by that introduction, we're talking about a Song of Ice and Fire fandom culture, which is weird. I have watched the show game of thrones well actually not all of it i've watched most of it i kind of uh lost the will to keep going after uh Oberyn martell had his uh his brains smushed by that mm. big bad man mm-hmm. um i watched a couple of episodes after that but it really went downhill for me so and then um i watched the entire last season as it was coming out because it was kind of a it was, it was like kind of event. a train wreck. Yeah. yeah, like it was, I couldn't look away and everybody in the world was kind of like watching and becoming more and more like disgusted and horrified as episodes went by. So I joined in on that. I watched the last season and I watched, I think the first four seasons mm-hmm. and maybe like two to three episodes of, uh, two to three episodes of season five. So I've done that. Uh, I started reading the first book years ago and never got very far into it but that's that's my exposure to Mm -hmm. a song of ice and fire slash game of thrones the television show 
Uh, I haven't meaningfully interacted with the fandom, but I did check on AO3. I was just curious, like, how the fic writing community kind of stacked up to other, like, major fantasy franchises. I was surprised to find that Game of Thrones parenthesis television show has over 50,000 works on AO3. The Game of Thrones or, uh, I'm sorry, A Song of Ice and Fire, the book series, has uh, 40,000-something works on AO3. And Lord of the Rings, parenthesis, disambiguation, like, everything in Lord of the Rings only accounts for, like, 30-some thousand fanfictions? Which, uh, I I was trying to, like, square that circle, but um, it it might have something to do with the fact that Lord of the Rings had its own entire websites devoted to Lord of the Rings fanfiction, whereas uh, Game of Thrones slash Song of Ice and Fire is a bit newer. So maybe there's more people posting on AO3. I don't know. I was surprised. Just because it seems like Lord of the Rings has been around longer and has more long-term dedicated fans, but it may just be that like the, the practices associated with posting fanfiction for that community are different. Uh, you're here to talk about something a little, a little to the left of, well, not, I shouldn't say to the left, that makes it sound political, a little bit, uh, like, to the side of that, though. Yeah, so I, uh, to talk about my fandom interaction with, uh, Song of Ice and Fire, uh, I started with the television show. Uh, I went to school at Liberty University, where (laughs) R-rated movies were not allowed, but uh, any TV show was allowed. There were no TV show restrictions. So you could not watch an R-rated movie, but you could watch Game of Thrones. Christians don't understand, like, things in the culture. They just don't understand how stuff works. No, evangelicals don't understand they're not, how stuff works. They're really not plugged into, like, how stuff works, which is why they were really mad at Harry Potter, but, uh, like, never attempted to ban, like many more like magic heavy books i don't know they're, 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 they were always cool with lord of the rings but which has wizards but harry potter yeah. has wizards and that's bad anyway that's not what we're talking about um so game of thrones was like a really big deal uh on my dorm like it was like an event every week when an episode came out we'd all cram in there and watch it and like the more conservative kids were always really uncomfortable and would like pray for us um and I was, like, playing a lot of D&D in college at the time. Uh, this is 2010 is when I started attending college. And uh, Thrones came out in 2011. So, uh, yeah, was, like, really involved in with the show. And um, my roommate at the time was reading the books. And uh, he'd tell me, you know, oh, this is different in the books or that's different in the books. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, but I was so invested in the show, I wanted to see the end of the show before I read the books. Um, and then you did. <laughs> then the show, around season five, started going off the rails a little bit. And I was an apologist for the show. I was like, you know, it's still pretty good. Like, it's not that bad. And then season six and season seven, and I was still, you know, like, oh, the Magnificent Seven episode's dumb. It's dumb, but it's fun. It's dumb in a fun way. I'm fine with it. Also, you uh, historically like Magnificent Seven-themed episodes. I do. I liked when the Magnificent Seven went beyond the wall. I was here for it. (laughs) Uh, Like, is it dumb? 
that Gendry can run from the middle of Beyond the Wall to Castle Black to send a raven for Daenerys to fly from Dragonstone to get to Beyond the Wall in, like, 45 minutes. Like, yeah, that's dumb, but it was still fun. Uh, I was still here for it. And then Season 8 happened, and Season 8 was really, really bad. Uh, Do not like Season 8 at Game of Thrones. I know that's not a hot take. Uh, didn't didn't really enjoy it very much. Um, yeah, I think there are very few people who do enjoy it, honestly. Like, certainly there are some, and, like, I'm glad you're having a good time over there, guys, who enjoy Season 8. I'm glad that you, uh, you know, found fulfillment, but... Uh, some yeah, of the just... actors seem to really still love it, and some of them not so much, and, you know, for the ones that loved it, I'm happy for them, and for the ones that didn't enjoy working on that season, uh, I feel bad for them. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, no, uh, if you dig it, you know, that's, that's no skin off my back, like what you like. Uh, but I then was bummed, um, and wanted to read the books. So I started reading the books and I really freaking enjoyed the books. Uh, I thought they were phenomenal. Uh, I, it gives me a new, a, a better appreciation for like, man, it's a, it's a real bummer they changed this thing or that thing. Um you know, from the books to the show. And then uh, I started playing the miniatures game because I like painting miniatures. Uh, I have a Night's Watch army, and I, I'm planning on starting a High Garden army, a Tyrell army. And uh, then I read the Dunkin' Egg books, and I really like them. You have to explain Dunkin' Egg. Because... Okay, Dunkin' Egg are a series of novellas set 100 years before the event of a game of thrones listener it is dunk and egg yeah three words dunk and egg not dunk and egg like Dunkin' donut yeah dunk and egg uh although dunk's full name is duncan but yeah dunk and egg uh and they're they're like much smaller scale they're way shorter than the song of ice and fire books and, like, the things they are dealing with are smaller scale. They're not, like, big political stories. They follow Sir Duncan the Tall and his squire, Egg. And they're fun. They're real good. I like them. Uh, but... Are, hang on. I have yeah. a question, because you've mentioned Dunk and Egg before. Yeah. Are the books actually called Dunk and Egg? Uh, I believe they are called uh, the, the Hedge Knight. Mm. series okay that makes more sense yeah because but, but everyone tone... just calls them duncan egg the, the duncan egg books the the tone shift in the naming conventions between uh a feast for crows and the winds of winter and shit like that and then to have a book called duncan egg duncan egg would be very much yeah uh i, I love i love dunk and i love egg they're they're two good boys doing their best <laughs> um but yeah, so I entered I entered the wider A Song of Ice and fandom very late, though. When did season eight air? What, like 2019? Yeah, I think it was right before the pandemic. I'm just casting back in my memory. I didn't look it up, but that sounds right. Yeah, so I entered, I would say, the wider A Song of Ice and fan, Fire fandom in 2019. And the last book had come out at that point was 2011 so the the book fandom had been waiting for the winds of winter at that point 
eight years. And when I showed up to the A Song of Ice and Fire fandom, it was like Troy Barnes showing up with pizza in uh, that community episode. I'm, go- I'm about to make this two cultural references deep, but um, you know the Star Trek episode where there's that one uh, uh, species that talks only in metaphors? Darmok, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Darmok. Um I saw somebody like make a comment that like we're like we're essentially functioning like that society now where we you know we say Troy Barnes returning with pizza and everyone knows what everyone they mean. knows yeah <laughs> the the fandom had fully gone feral at that point waiting for Winds of Winter and it it has only gotten worse the fandom has only gotten more feral people are desperate for this next book Mm -hmm. and in their desperation they have started uh not to make another cultural reference but they have become charlie day with the mail and the cigarette Mm -hmm. and they are just everyone's got cork boards and everyone's got string and everyone's trying to connect what if we what if we look at it from this perspective or like oh you forgot about this thing from book three the fourth aria chapter going nuts and uh the wild rampant long form theories that this fandom creates the that my thesis for this episode of fan fiction is good actually are a form of fan fiction Mm -hmm. and i would say that as a whole it seems like the more vocal sections of the song fandom are critical of the idea of fan fiction about these books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I would posit that what they are doing is the exact same thing as fan fiction. Um, I'm going to infer that this is a largely cis male community. Not as is... much as you would think. Okay. In my experience. I, I feel like there are uh, a lot of women fans in this fandom, and there are a lot of queer people in this fandom, and I think a large part of that is because George writes very compelling women characters, and uh, I don't think George R. R. Martin has ever talked to a gay person, but I think that he knows gay people exist, <laughs> and uh, he, he, he does a decent job of writing gay characters i i would i would give him like a c plus b minus okay the reason i posited that is just because it tends to be like cis men who are critical of the whole idea of fan fiction and so it seems uh it seems like that would be the sort of uh like subcategory of fans who would be writing elaborate fan theories connecting different elements and then insisting that it's not fan fiction i've seen some of these like many of these fan theories are many 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 paragraphs long like they take many many paragraphs to like connect these elements together Mm -hmm. that otherwise like don't really connect in any meaningful way and they infer huge missing chunks that would have to be there to make these theories make sense so like I agree with you, um, but like that, in my experience, that's the type of person who uh, doesn't like to be called a fan fiction writer. Yeah, I would I would say that these people like 
like this fandom is not necessarily harsher to the concept of fan fiction writing than other like nerd fandoms I'm a part of, you know, like fan fiction in general has a bad rap. That's kind of why you do this podcast, but um, other fandoms don't do this sort of thing Mm -hmm. because I think, I think a song of ice and fire is the perfect storm for creating elaborate fan theories. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me pull up my notes. I have notes. (laughs) So things that I think make this like the perfect storm for wanting to write elaborate fan theories are one characters are frequently mistaken for other people or intentionally are hiding their identities Mm -hmm. two characters are constantly given false information about events happening elsewhere Mm -hmm. and you the reader know what's really happening but the characters don't because they heard a rumor or someone outright lied to them or part of the message got lost whatever um Certain major characters are not point-of-view characters. This means they're only seen by the reader through often conflicting perspectives. So, a character like Stannis Baratheon is not a point-of-view character, and he is a very controversial character in the fandom for this reason, because the main three people who, like, Stannis directly interacts with that are POV characters are people who like have very biased reasons for how they view Stannis. Um, gosh, I'm blanking on his name. I'm a bad fan. The onion Knight. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Just total brain fart. Um, Davos. Yeah. Davos Davos Seaworth. Thank you. So Davos Seaworth is a point of view character and he hero worships Stannis. He thinks Stannis is like the best dude ever. And so like when Stannis is interacting with him, Davos it's like, oh, wow, Stannis is such a good and honorable king. This dude He's... who cut all my fingies off. I love him. Yeah. He rules. I love him. He's going to be such a good king. And then Stannis shows up in some Jon Snow characters, and Jon Snow is like, this guy's kind of a dick. I don't really particularly like him, but I guess he's all right. And then uh, Asha Greyjoy interacts with Stannis, and she's like, this sexless prick, he's a chauvinist, and I hate him. But she's his prisoner and like he defeated her army so like of course she hates his guts so like those three people all interact with stannis directly and they all have extremely different reads on who stannis is but because we never look inside stannis's mind we have like depending on whose opinion you trust you end up with very different views of stannis and then like cersei will be like getting wine drunk and like thinking about how much she fucking hates stannis so like yeah, he, he, like, this makes fan theory, like, very fertile ground. And then my last point is that. That was my last point. So, I think all of that leads to people writing these elaborate fan theories and it being really, really fun because George doesn't come out and say certain things directly in his books. Like, Loris and Renly are both not point of view characters. So like their relationship is viewed through like rumor and hearsay and stuff like that. Uh, So it's very easy to like make conjectures about other like pairings or things like that. A thing that I've noticed, I'm not as deep in this as you are, uh, but a thing I've noticed is that George Martin will use, like, the same themes 
sometimes to refer like in reference to different characters and it's not clear to me if it's intentional or if it's just like sort of something about the way he writes you know i'm not thinking of a good example right now but like he'll he'll like draw parallels between characters and i'm not sure if it's intentional or not but a lot of fans seem to think that it's intentional because there's so many characters who like hide their identities or uh disguise themselves or um were secretly someone else the whole time a lot of fans think that that's happening everywhere in the books Mm -hmm. so like uh a popular fan theory for a while was that jack and hagar is like every single person who Arya stark ever interacted with because characters who Arya stark interacts with will frequently like give her a combat lesson or talk about death a lot Mm -hmm. or talk about how she'd be a better man than if she, than a woman or like this, that or the other, or you have to leave your family behind and become someone else. Cause your family's all dead. And so like people have these elaborate fan theories about how, Oh, well, Jackin was secretly Arya's bravasi sword teacher or I've actually seen that one out in the wild. You didn't even tell me that one. Or, I've heard that one. <laughs> or Jackin was that guy at that bar that talked to Arya when she was on her murder road trip with the Hound. And Jackin is this person over here. And it's like, no, like all of these people have those sort of conversations with Arya because that's like her character arc, my guys. Like those are just the themes that Arya is kind of wrestling with. Like Arya is wrestling with what it means to be a woman in, you know, a very sexist society. And Arya is wrestling with like the trauma of losing her family. And Arya is like wrestling with her identity as like, what does it mean to be a Stark when how Stark has like completely fallen? And like, those are just the themes of her story. Not everyone is secretly Jack and Hagar, but because Jack and Hagar, they are. Yeah. But because Jack and Hagar can, uh, change his face and look like other people uh it creates a lot of bonkers fan theories out there um i know you want to talk about some of the bonkers fan theories uh and i'm here for it i'm stoked i cannot wait to hear some of the bonkers fan theories i know you have good sure. like there are good ones also i got good ones i got bad ones okay um the first thing i want to say is there are fan theories out there that require zero tinfoil hats And I'm not going to super talk about them because everyone in the fandom accepts these as, like, canon. And it's it's hard to, like, refer to canon, I guess, with these books because so many things are, like, left without being spelled out. But the Hound is the Gravedigger. That, like, that doesn't require any tinfoil hat. I don't know what that means. So, uh, the the Hound gets hurt real bad and Arya leaves him for dead. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, that happens in the show. I know about that. Yep. Uh, he's fighting someone else other than Brienne of Tarth when that happens, but yeah, that happens in the show. Later, Brienne is traveling around with Podrick looking for Sansa, and right. she finds a monastery with this like weird monk who kind of feels a little bit like a used car salesman, and she notices a big dude digging graves, his face is covered. Uh, it's implied that he got real, like, scarred in a battle, and that he's a veteran, and, uh, he, like, feeds a dog, and, um, 
there's a horse Themes. there's a horse <laughs> nearby and it's like the same horse and this monk talks about how this priest guy talks about how like oh yeah like the helm died and uh the bandits wearing his armor is not the real hound because i found the hound's body and i buried him but he like avoids he avoids saying like, i think that the like hound died he said like the hound is at peace sandor clegane is at peace mm-hmm. and a lot of fans are like god damn i think the hound is that big dude that fed that dog um the show kind of confirmed this they gave the hound a, a plot in season six ish where like he is friends with a priest and then that guy gets murdered and he uses an axe to get revenge and then he hangs out with the the brotherhood dudes he hangs out with uh beric dondarian um so like yeah that's that's just like that requires zero tinfoil hat everyone in the fandom kind of accepts it and the show kind of confirmed it um robert strong is gregor clegane everyone just kind of accepts that the books have not come out and stated that yet um young griff aka Aegon, is actually a black fire uh that seems like a really popular fan theory young griff does not appear in the show at all so uh that you know that one's just a little little teaser for the book fans who are little, listening little treat for for you bookheads. yeah like i i I, th- I think most people think Fagon is not actually Aegon. That's why they call him Fagon, because he's fake Aegon. <laughs> and uh, that he's a black fire or some shit. Uh, and then R plus L equals J. Uh, that is a very popular fan theory that has not been confirmed in the books yet, but that fan theory is that Rhaegar Targaryen and uh, Lyanna Stark are the parents of Jon Snow. Uh, so I would say that those, you know, and there's other very popular fan theories out there that um, don't require any any red string, they don't require any cork boards. I'm not going to be talking about those. I'm going to be talking about the weird ones, or ones that I think are weird. Yeah, the ones that require these sort of, like, inferences and leaps that you would have to write some material to fill in between. Oh, I yeah. mean, there are still extensive notes out there on on the ones that i just talked about and i mean if you want to watch like 45 minute video essays about why young griff is not actually Aegon targaryen and why he's a black fire or why he's varus is and Elilio's son or something there's the shit's out there but um most people would in the fandom would just be like oh yeah that's not weird mm-hmm. that's a very mm-hmm. common theory mm-hmm um do you want to hear one that i hate or one that i love i i have multiples of ones i hate and i have multiples of ones i love um i would love to hear one that you hate one that i hate (laughs) okay we were just talking about rhaegar targaryen so let's continue talking about rhaegar targaryen uh for the uninitiated uh rhaegar targaryen was the mad king's son so he was eris the second's son he is uh, believed to be Jon Snow's daddy. Uh, and the show said that he's Jon Snow's daddy. He died at the Trident in a big battle during Robert Baratheon's rebellion. Because Robert rebelled against the Mad King and fought a bunch of battles with Ned Stark. And they were best friends. And uh, everyone loved Rhaegar Targaryen. He was young. He was handsome. He was spiritual. He was generous and he was super brave and chivalrous and he was the best knight ever. Uh, and 
His best friend was Sir Arthur Dane of the Morning, who was the, also the best knight ever. And they were best friends. And they went on all these good adventures together. And Robert Baratheon caved this motherfucker's chest in with his big warhammer and killed him at the trident. He's super dead. And him being dead is very important to the books. Because uh, kind of without Rhaegar's death, which is seen as like this really tragic thing, like nothing else happens. Like Rhaegar has to die for the books to happen. And even if people hated the Targaryens and even if people hated uh, the Mad King, everyone loved Rhaegar. Mm-hmm. So there are tons of theories that Rhaegar is secretly alive and is someone else. So I just kind of combined them all into one thing here. Uh, but Rhaegar Targaryen is Mance Raider. Rhaegar Targaryen is the Night King. Rhaegar Targaryen is Cold Hands. And Rhaegar Targaryen is Jon Snow's direwolf ghost. Rhaegar Targaryen became Jon Snow's dog. Yeah. So these are all bonkers fan theories that are out there if you want to read about them. I hate all of them. Uh, and, and they're kind of one conglomo because I think they miss the point of who Rhaegar is and like the purpose he serves to the story. So Some ideas like Matt's Raider is the king beyond the wall. Uh, he shows up in season two of the the show. He's in book one in disguise. Uh, and then he like you formally meet him in book two and you find out that he was hanging out in book one in disguise. Um, doesn't look I know that there's magic and shit, but like doesn't Mance Raider look nothing at all like uh, uh, a Targaryen? Uh, he does have, I believe, like grayish hair because uh, he's like kind of like a little older well, like, um, okay. and like Targaryens have like silvery blonde hair so like and, and Mance is disguised as handsome but like I don't think the ages really work out that's the other thing is like everyone is way younger in the books than in the show and I think readers kind of forget that sometimes so a lot of these theories get con- like book timeline confused and show timeline confused I think so the theory that Mance is Rhaegar, Rhaegar disguised himself and fled from the Battle of the Trident. Ned then helped him escape and sent him to the Wall. He then deserted and became king beyond the Wall. Evidence for this. Both play harps and sing. Uh, Mance likes Jon Snow. Maybe Corrin Halfhand is Arthur Dane. This would, uh, and that's all the evidence. That's all the evidence for <laughs> Mance Raider is uh, Rhaegar Targaryen. Um... I don't know. Uh, I just think that's that's silly. I think it kind of ruins the character of Mance Raider. Mance Raider, like his whole arc, is kind of about like coming from nothing and like being like an anarchist, like not wanting to like follow the rules. Like that's why he deserts the Night's Watch. But then he realizes that like he can become the symbol and unite people who like don't get along, and can kind of like he's a very like worker sees the means of production like i am here for the people uh and like i guess rhaegar was like beloved by the common folk but he was like this huge person of station and him running from the battle battle of the trident and then him running from the wall like doesn't see the track yeah Yeah. he had honor like he wouldn't disguise someone in his armor to get killed by robert he wouldn't abandon the wall after swearing fealty to the night's watch like those are just things that like Rhaegar wouldn't do it seems like and i don't quite get why ned would help him like 
Ned loves his sister, but like Ned doesn't give two shits about the Targaryens. He's fighting a rebellion against them. Uh, it just doesn't track for me. Uh, Rhaegar is Night King. Uh, so this is a weird one. Um, Rhaegar had like ruby armor that was like these red rubies. Uh, Robert smashing Rhaegar's breastplate is similar to in the show the children of the forest plunging dragon glass into a human to create the first white walker. Night Look. The Night King rides a dragon and only those of Valyrian blood can ride dragons. That's also a show thing. Uh, rivers are time metaphors. The river of time. When Rhaegar died in the trident, the children of the forest time smuggled him backward to create the Night King. Uh, this is a real stretch, guys. You're really, you're really doing a lot of work to make that work. Respect, respect, but you gotta, you gotta give me, you gotta give me thousands of words to make that work. And you're, you're like taking a lot of stuff from the show and shoving it in there. Like, there's not a Night King in the books. There's, there's not, there's no one who functions in that way. There is a character called the Night King, but he's very different than what the show makes him out to be. So like it just it doesn't fit, and I don't think white like I don't think White Walkers are gonna ride Danny's dragons. I don't think. Uh, I think if anyone is gonna steal Danny's dragons in the books, it's gonna be Euron Greyjoy. Uh, you're just you're taking a lot of leaps there. Um, Rhaegar's cold hands. This doesn't make any sense, so I'm not gonna try and argue it. I don't uh, even know who that is. He's a helpful zombo. Um, he's like a zombie man, but he's a good guy, and he helps. Uh, some characters out, uh, but it, it makes no, there's a lot of cold hands theories. Uh, the best one is that he's Benjamin Stark, which is what the show said, but even that one doesn't really fit with what we know of cold hands. Uh, I, I don't find any cold hands theories very compelling. Uh, and then Rhaegar is ghost. Uh, ghost likes John. Ghost is smart. Ghosts are the spirits of dead people. <laughs> Ghost has red eyes and Ray- just like Rhaegar's rubies. Uh, don't all the Targaryens have like purple eyes, like real, real Mary Sue girls? In the- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> people from Valyria have uh, have them purple eyes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I I hate Rhaegar theories. <laughs> Whenever I I see that someone's posted a new Rhaegar theory, I know that it's going to be bonkers. Race- it sounds like Rhaegar is like a lot of people's uh, like Blorbo. Like, like some people have really latched on to Rhaegar for some reason, even though he like essentially is not a character in. Like, I know that I know that, like you said, his death uh, precipitated the events of the books and therefore the show. But he's like kind of a non-character. There's a lot of theories around robert's rebellion and like that time period because we're only hearing about that information like secondhand like ned and robert were like i don't know like 16 when they like were in this war and now it's 15 years later and they're like old and they like reminisce about that time and other characters reminisce about that so they're time. 31 <laughs> they're old <laughs> Yeah, like, all the characters in the books are way younger than yeah. they are in the show. Uh, but, like, yeah, so there's there's a lot of, you know, Rhaegar theories. There's a lot of Lyanna theories. There's a lot of um, Arthur Dane theories. People love Arthur Dane theories. 
the Cranog men, uh, freaking the reeds. There's a lot of theories about the reeds. Uh, you, you know, and there's young Ned Stark theories out there. A lot of a lot of theories about the earlier time period because we don't know a lot of information, and the information we get from it is always very biased. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very vibing with what you're saying that like this is this is the same thing. The thing that these fans are doing is exactly the same thing that fan fiction writers do, which is that they latch onto an idea, and then they try to make that idea possible mm-hmm. to like. I think an important difference here, though, between like fan fiction writers and these fan theorists is that fan fiction writers do not need their idea to be canon they have an idea and they roll with it and they like creatively fill in gaps and they maybe like bend some canon stuff to make it work and like the fan fiction writing community is perfectly fine with that you know Mm -hmm. it's, it's okay to like write a fan fiction that's not fully canon compliant or that's like even completely aggressively non-canon compliant just because you think that you have a neat idea and you want to explore it and play around with it and see what happens uh and maybe you tie in some themes or you tie in some moments from the canon but you you don't gotta you don't gotta obey the rules um these people are trying really really hard to make their uh ideas canon and you, you don't gotta try that hard guys it's okay to just have a weird idea and be like wouldn't it be neat if thing wouldn't that be neat it would be neat yeah maybe maybe it doesn't need to be that thing maybe it can just be some some other thing um i know you got some ideas that you like do you want to do you do you want to present some some of your faves uh i'm gonna talk about another one i hate okay because it connects to one i like (laughs) okay so there's oh boy Tyrion is a secret Targaryen. Oh, you've you've ranted to me about this before. Yeah. I also hate it. Can I just say, also hate it. So this this idea has two branches. The one is more bonkers than the other. Uh, the one that is more bonkers is that Tyrion is a time traveling fetus, and the other is that Aerys the Second, the Mad King, either consensually or non consensually had sex with Joanna Lannister and is actually Tyrion's dad. So the first theory is, um, I, I hate to call it any theory like this dumb because I, I, I don't necessarily believe that the person who wrote it believes it. I think they were just trying to like argue this weird point for like fun. But the, the idea is that, Daenerys's child with Drogo, um, who was born stillborn, was like weird and scaly, and like ha- I think it had like a tail, and it had like membrane membranous stuff hanging from its arms. It's like a fucked up weird dragon baby, and it fucking died. And this theory is like, what if that fetus? when it got burnt up in the fire, got resurrected just like the dragon eggs did and was sent backwards in time into Joanna Lannister for some reason. And she gave birth to Danny's and Drogo's baby. And that's Tyrion. And that's why Tyrion was Tyrion is different looking in the books. He, he is more like deformed and like, 
there was this rumor at his birth that he was like born a monster and like clawed his way out of Joanna and killed Joanna in childbirth and like Joanna did die in childbirth but it wasn't because Tyrion was a monster it's just people are cruel and like Tyrion's kind of ugly uh and so like they like at his birth they exaggerated his features and made the story of his birth like more horrifying but that's kind of where this theory comes from is like what if all those stories were true and Tyrion was born a monster and like some maesters did some surgery to make him look more human but respectfully that sounds really dumb yep (laughs) that's look i know that there's a lot there's a lot going on in a song of ice and fire there's a lot of magic stuff there's a lot of weird uh and like i said there are a lot of like weird parallels between characters there are a lot of like themes that george martin returns to there's a lot of uh like sort of like dark ideas that he explores more than once but um you know uh babies being born with uh like birth defects is like those those two things do not have to be connected that can happen more than once in the world it seems like people really want to shove like time travel in and like characters can view other times by like doing hallucinogenic drugs or like having these kind of like spirit journeys Uh, But it always requires, like, a lot of work to, like, be able to do it. They need, like, glass candles, and they need this and that. And, like, people seem to, like, really want to shove in, like, actual physical time travel. And I don't think it fits in with the Song of Ice and Fire's, like, world building. Uh, The other theory, the Eris theory, there is a little support for that. In the Fire and Blood book, uh, it talks about how... uh, Ares took some liberties during Joanna's bedding ceremony at her wedding to with Tywin. We don't know what that means. Fans of this like theory tend to like really run with the word liberties to mean all sorts of stuff. I do think that like even if he was a little extra rowdy, it was Tywin's wedding to Joanna, and I don't think anything more than perhaps him being like Eris is you know a wild guy and you know maybe he was drunk and maybe he made a fool of himself but I don't think he like had sex with Joanna on her wedding night during the bedding ceremony hang on uh Tyrion and Jamie and Cersei have the same mother right yes so Jamie and-, and Cersei are older yeah. yeah, so how would that... How would that... So we're getting there. Be, okay. So this is their first encounter. Okay. He took liberties at the betting ceremony. People think that that means maybe more than just he was a little rowdy. Um, He would then frequently check, like, go to Tywin, who was the Hand of the King, and be like, hey, how's your smoking hot wife? And Tywin, like, fucking hated this because his boss is like, rubbing it in his face that he thinks his wife is hot. Tywin then, like, sent Joanna away because he didn't want Ares being a creep. And at a tournament, after Jamie and Cersei were born, apparently at this tournament, Ares, like, I think he made a comment about Joanna again to Tywin's face, and then Tywin quit. And the theory goes that maybe something more 
upsetting happened, and that's why Tywin quit being Hand of the King and went back to Lannis, uh, Lannisport, uh, went back to Casterly Rock. I hate this theory because it misses the point of Tywin's character arc and Tyrion's character arc. And that is that, like, Tyrion is Tywin's son, and Tywin fucking hates that. And not only is Tyrion literally Tywin's son, Tyrion is the epitome of Tywin's legacy. Like, Tyrion is more calculating than Jaime and Cersei, he's better at politics, and in a lot of ways he's crueler than his siblings, just like Tywin is. And he is petty and prideful, just like Tywin is. And there is a fan theory I really like that uh, is on my good list, that there's this secret tunnel in the Tower of the Hand of the King that when Tyrion is running away from King's Landing after the Joffrey thing and after Oberyn dies, uh, Varys takes him through this secret tunnel and it opens up into a brothel. And the brothel has like red and gold decorations and there's like a lion. And Tyrion is like, there was a secret tunnel to a brothel in the Tower to the Hand of the King? Like, who had this tunnel built? And Varys is like, oh, a former king. Uh, I don't want to talk about it. Bye. And like... Former Hand of the King. Yeah, former Hand of the King. And like, Tywin was like having sex with Shay, who was a prostitute. And like, if Tywin had that tunnel built so he could secretly go to a brothel to like hide his, his shame of like being a sexual person and then like it kind of explains why he fucking hates Tyrion so much who very openly is a very sexual person and like fucks all the time and brags about it and she like talks about it and like isn't ashamed about it and so like that further connects this idea of the tragedy of Tyrion and Tywin and this idea that like no they are like when Tyrion kills Tywin he says like no I am your son and then he kills him and by being like, oh, well, like, Tyrion is Danny's kid, or Tyrion is Aerys's kid, it kind of justifies Tywin's, like, shitty treatment of Tyrion in a weird way. It, like, solidifies that Tywin was right, and Tyrion wasn't his, and mm-hmm. Tyrion was this, you know, unwanted thing in his life, and it's like, no, fuck you, that is your kid. Yeah, and, like, the self-loathing is, a, or the, the, his hatred for Tyrion is even more a result of his self-loathing than like his dislike for Tyrion specifically. Yeah. And this, this tunnel theory, like if in a later book, for some reason we find out who made that tunnel and it wasn't Tywin Lannister, that's totally fine. Like that's, that's a, okay. I'm sure George has a, has a, has an idea for it. If it comes up, but like, if it's, if we never find out for sure who built that tunnel, like me thinking, that Tywin built it mm-hmm. adds a lot to my enjoyment of Tywin and Tyrion as characters yeah. who are terrible people. Themes. Yeah. And it's fun to explore that through fan theories and it's fun to explore that through fan fiction. And like, those are the sort of fan theories I like that kind of encourage you to like think deeper on the characters and not just try and explain away connections or inconsistencies, uh, which like the fan theories I dislike do that. Like I think, Tyrion being a secret Targaryen makes Tyrion less interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I forgot about some of the evidences. Sorry, I should have I should have said more evidence as to why Tyrion <laughs> is a secret Targaryen. Um, where I have notes. Tyrion loves dragons. 
Uh, he picked up a dragon chess piece one time. He writes about dragons for John Connington. Hang on, isn't the currency also called dragons? And aren't there dragons on fucking everything? Because the, because the Targaryens used to be in charge. Dragons now have a stag on them, but yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but Tyrion, Tyrion is a big dragon nerd. Uh, John Connington is like, wow, you know a lot about dragons. Can you write down everything you know about dragons? And Tyrion like writes a book about dragons. Uh, and he he's, he writes that book, Dragonology, he had because a, he's a time traveler. He, he shout had out a, to the real ones who had the Dragonology red cover book that you got from Barnes and Noble or Borders. You know the one. Real ones know the one. Okay, he, sorry. He uh, he had a dream about a dragon one time in one of the books. Um, he has two different colored eyes, and while one eye is not ever described as purple, maybe it could be. Doesn't he have a green eye and like a? like a, a black dark eye. Yeah, yeah like a like a colorless eye yeah but black is close to purple and so maybe <laughs> if the light were to hit it it would be purple it's it's oh it's a bad it's a bad theory um i don't like it i i assumed that I, I maybe this is wrong of me i assumed that he was like blind in that eye and that's why it looked kind of fucked up i don't know no it's just george likes to talk about how weird Tyrion looks like george really relishes in describing how ugly Tyrion is okay. it's it's almost mean yeah uh it's not not great for like disabled people but do we want to talk about one that I like? I've talked about two that I hated, and I slid one in there that I liked. How long do you want this to go? I could go all night. Um, we can always cut some and add bonus content to the the Patreon, so you can carry on okay. about fan theories as long as you want. I'm going to talk about my favorite fan theory, and uh, I don't necessarily think this is true, but I desperately want it to be true. Mm-hmm. And I will talk about evidence against this theory, because there is a little bit of evidence against it. But my favorite A Song of Ice and Fire tinfoil hat conspiracy theory is that Loris Tyrell is fine, actually. And he's he's okay. Uh, so in the books, this does not happen in the in the in the show, but in the books, this timeline is important. So I'm gonna I'm gonna look at my notes. Hold on. Okay. The battle at Blackwater Bay happens. Stannis attacks King's Landing, gets wrecked by the Tyrells. A guy named Orain Waters is captured. And he he bends the knee. He's like, sorry for doing a rebellion. Whoopsie, Joffrey is my king. And Cersei is like, that guy is so fucking hot. I'm not going to put him in prison. I'm going to make him master of ships. That's event one. Event two... Cersei gets pissed off at Marjorie Tyrell and has her arrested. Event 3. The Reach is under threat from Euron Greyjoy. Willis and Garland Tyrell call for aid from uh, for Highgarden. Cersei won't send help until Dragonstone is retaken. Loris, being very pissed off, volunteers to retake Dragonstone so that he will then have permission to take an army to defend his home. Loras is currently a Kingsguard to Tommen and cannot leave without, like, the Crown's permission. Orain Waters then gives a report that Loras was grievously injured at this battle. Loras won the day, but he got shot a bunch of times by crossbows, he got his head smashed in by a mace, and then he had boiling oil poured on top of him. And he fought like a madman and he won the day, but now he's almost dead. Cersei is on cloud fucking nine. 
because Marjorie and Loras are now both out of the picture, and she hated that Loras was a Kingsguard to Tommen, and she hated that Marjorie was getting married to Tommen, and now they're gone. And so Cersei goes to rub it in her enemies' faces how awesome she is, and she gets fucking arrested. She fucked around with the faith, and she found out. As soon as Cersei is arrested, Arryn Waters, uh, whose nicknames are Lord of the Tides and Master of Drickmark, uh, and Master of Driftmark disappears with all of the new fancy boats that he had made. Because uh, Cersei had promoted him to Master of Ships and built him a bunch of fancy boats because she wanted to peg him. And as soon as she's arrested, he disappears. And what's this? There's a new pirate king. And his name is Lord of the Waters. That sounds awfully close to Orain Waters, Lord of the Tides and Master of Driftmark. I wonder if this new pirate king who has a bunch of new boats, whose name is Lord of the Waters, is the same guy who just disappeared with all of the fancy boats. Yeah, I wonder. So that is the timeline of stuff that happened in the books. Mm-hmm. So the fan theory goes, Loris is fine, actually. How could Loris be fine if he got shot with a bunch of crossbows and got his head smashed by a mace and then got boiling water, oil, boiling or, yeah, boiling oil poured on him? So there's a couple ideas here. Idea one, Orain could be lying on his own. Right after Cersei overplays her hand with the Faith and gets arrested, uh, he just disappears and is maybe a pirate king. So he built up her confidence knowing it would create an opportunity for himself to dip out. Mm-hmm. So I'm He's gonna... telling Cersei what she wants to hear. She's like, fuck yes, hell yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna party, I'm chilled out. And, like, this blows up in her face, yeah. and then he's outie. Yeah. So maybe he just did that on his own accord. Uh, maybe Arrain was paid off by the Tyrells. If he, like, worked for Stannis, a lot of people who worked for Stannis at that battle formerly worked for Renly because a bunch of Baratheons who were loyal to Renly, as soon as Renly died, declared for Stannis. So maybe he had some Renly connections, maybe he had some Tyrell connections, and maybe... They offered him a fat stack of cash to lie to Cersei that Loras was was killed. Or it was maybe Loras got a little hurt. And maybe the Tyrells were like, this is a great opportunity. We're going to have you dip out and like run you to Highgarden away from Cersei, who is fucking out for Tyrell blood at the moment, and get you safe. Uh, so maybe they paid him to pass along this false information. Maybe Orain believes what he heard is true. Uh, but maybe Loras, uh, was just lying. Uh, so, uh, at the Battle of Blackwater Bay, uh, Loras and his older brother Garland dressed Garland up in Renly's armor to lead the battle, and it freaked a bunch of people out because they were like, holy shit, it's Renly's ghost. Renly's ghost is here. That's Renly's armor. And maybe they did the same trick again. Uh, or... Again, maybe they just spread the rumor that Loras was hurt more and Orain heard the rumor naturally and just believed it and passed it along. Uh, but either way, Orain is not a reliable narrator and we learn this information in a Cersei chapter and Cersei in book four is like having a lot of sex with people and like drinking a lot of wine and is just kind of drunk all the time. And... Uh, her chapters are a hoot to read. She's a lot of fun. I love her. I support women's rights and women's wrongs. But like... <laughs> yes, queen. Yes. Uh, but like, she's a she's a hot mess. She is hot mess express in book four. So like, 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe she's just like exaggerating the story that Arain is telling her in her own mind when she's hearing it because she's she, just thinking wistfully like, yes, kill that yes, gay twink. He's, <laughs> I want that twink obliterated. Yeah. So like you say he's hurt bad. Mm, I bet he got boiling fucking oil poured all over him. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this is the fun things with this book series is that we have these POV. All of the chapters are POV and like, you have to really take into account whose mind you're in when you're reading what chapter and who's speaking and like, how is the information being interpreted? Uh, evidence against this theory is that it is very George R. R. Martin to like rob Loris of his looks and his physical prowess on the battlefield. Like that is a very George R. R. Martin arc to give this character. Yeah. I do think that was kind of already given to Jamie. Mm-hmm. So it would feel like a little repetitive to like do that now to Loris and Lor- one of Loris's siblings, um, Willis Tyrell is confined to a wheelchair also. Uh, so like there's already a Tyrell who yeah, is Bran also like is yeah, also physically yeah, disabled. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, but it just, it, it feels like narratively, like I don't, well, yes, it does feel like very George R. R. Martin to, uh, like, put Loris just through fucking hell. Uh, I, I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope that my boy is fine. Um, I hope for your sake he's fine. I think the fact that uh, George Martin chose to have him really fucked up but not dead yet sure. uh, sort of indicates that he's probably not gonna die like everybody thinks he is, but he's not gonna... Otherwise, I don't know. It just seems like a more straightforward lie to tell that, like, well, he got real fucked up and now he's dead. You know, there, his it, body's unrecognizable, even. His, perhaps, you know, like, if they said he was dead and he got fucking oil poured on him, they could substitute in literally any corpse and be like, look, he's dead. Oh. But the fact that, you know, the the fact that he is not quite dead. He's only dying. He's yeah. not dead yet. Not quite dead suggests that there may be more uh, torment in store for Loras Tyrell in the future. So in the Loras is really fucked up now camp is the idea that somehow Loras will be the Faith's champion in the battle in the trial by combat for Cersei Lannister's crimes against the Mountain. Uh, or Sorry, against Sir Robert Strong. Um, and that, that idea is interesting that like Loris coming back from the brink of life now super deformed, uh, physically is going to fight Sir Gregor Clegane, who was killed and brought back to life via necromancy and is now super fucked up. And like, maybe they'll both like Robert Strong never takes off his helmet. And now if Loris is really scarred, maybe now he won't take off his helmet and it'll be this thing of like these two kind of mystery knights, uh, duking it out um i don't know there's 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 something there that could happen that a lot of fans are into the idea of fans also love the idea of clegane ball which you know is silly but but fun to think about uh sandor fighting gregor in in a trial by combat i kind of agree with the the Lindsay ellis take on this which is that like that's not what Sandor's story, story is about no, I would anymore. Agree. Yeah, like he's really like moved past his his animosity for his brother was extremely yeah. like season one. 
the what the show did with Loras, I found kind of deeply homophobic to give a conversion therapy story to this like really awesome gay character when there's not a story like that in the books it just mm. felt like doing uh some very realistic form of trauma in this fantasy series where it didn't need to be um but this idea that like loris could have like a a a god moment and and become religious after this like near-death experience and would be the champion for the faith in this trial against Cersei. Uh, I think that would be a way less homophobic version of uh, that story of Loras now working for the faith. Uh, so, like, even if Loras doesn't, even if Loras isn't fine, I do think that there's some very compelling story that could be told there. And it does feel in keeping with how George likes to uh, hurt his toys. The man plays rough. George R. R. Martin's kind of a fucked up little dude. Uh, I like, you know, parenthesis, affectionate. I I say this because, like, I don't know. I also like dark themes. I sometimes also like to write some kind of messed up stuff. So uh, I'm I'm not dunking on him, but he does like to write really fucked up stuff. Um, I have a list of things to talk about that you should be theorizing on if you are not. If you're a Song of Ice and Fire fan and you have not been reading or writing or making fan theories about these things, you should be. I'm just going to rapid fire them. Okay, go for it. I'm ready. I'm receptive. Euron is a fake. Or Euron was a student of Bloodraven. Euron Greyjoy is a like warlock. He's like this evil sorcerer. And there's a fan theory out there that he's a fake. And there are tons of theories about how he's super evil and super powerful. And it's it's... Those are all fun. The Winterfell murders slash who wrote the pink letter. Uh, there's a murder mystery just in the middle of book five, which is really fun. And there's tons of theories about who was doing the murders and why. Uh, I think it was the Spear Wives. But if you if you have not been like theorizing about that, get on it. Who wrote the pink letter? John gets this really threatening letter from Ramsay Bolton. Uh, but there are tons of theories that maybe Stannis wrote the letter, or maybe Mance Raider wrote the letter, or maybe Wyman Manderly wrote the letter. Um, I think Ramsey wrote it, but it's there's lots of theories out there about who wrote it. I'm, I have a hot take I'm going to interrupt you with. I think part of the reason Game of Thrones is so popular and... Uh, a Song of Ice and Fire. Okay, A Song of Ice and Fire. Part of the reason Song of Ice and Fire is so popular and has so many fans and has inspired so much dialogue is because it does the Naruto thing where it has 700,000 characters. And if you like just one of them, you gotta know what happens to that, to your one guy. You have your glup shit Yeah, yeah. you have your glup shit and you gotta know what happens to that one guy. Yeah. Yep. Um, I always describe this as the Naruto thing. I know that this, I know that the first... Song of Ice and Fire book came out in 1997, but uh, I will always and forever think of it as the Naruto thing. My uh, my glup shido is uh, uh, Satin, and my other glup shido is uh, Garland Tyrell. Okay, I was assuming it would be uh, Flaming Sword Guy. Uh, Beric Dondarrion? Yeah. He's fucking dead. I had to pick people who were alive. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> is he dead in the books too? Yeah. Okay. No, he's he he's he's dead long long ago in the books. Uh, 
the show kept him alive much longer than he is in the books. Didn't he die a bunch of times and came back? Yeah, but he perma-died. Okay. He ran out of respawns. Okay. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I'm going to have to make the title of this um, uh, Game of Thrones is Naruto, actually. <laughs> uh, Grand, the Grand Northern Conspiracy. You should be having theories on that. You should be having theories on the Grand Maester Conspiracy. And, uh... Last but not least, the Starks are uh, ancient evils, actually. Mm. That's a fun one. Uh, so what if their house words, winter is coming, is not a warning of, you know, be prepared for hard times. What if it's a threat? And there's uh, a lot of, like, interesting stuff with the Starks. And, like, all of the Starks are fucking magic. Like, in the in the show, only Bran can warg. But all of the Starks can work and like do it pretty frequently. And uh, Jon Snow uh, is like doing experiments on uh, zombies at the wall. And everyone's freaked out about like him and Ghost's relationship and how a like, ghost obeys him. And Jon starts like warging and stuff and people are really freaked out about it. And um, the Starks have the connections to the old gods. And it seems... That the old gods were really evil, actually. Um, there's, I mean, tons of theories on which gods are real in Game of Thrones. It seems pretty accepted that the Faith of the Seven, the like main faith at this point, is fake. Uh, because George R. R. Martin hates Catholics. <laughs> and they're the fantasy Catholic church. Yeah, they, they're the ones that build cathedrals and shit. Yeah, they're the Catholics. Um... Whereas, like, the old gods, it seems like they were real, and it seems that they were really fucked up, and it seems like a good thing that humanity cut all the werewoods down, except in the north. And, like, maybe the there must always be a Stark, and Winterfell has these evil connections, and the Winterfell crypts seem to have some, like, evil connections. So, like, the what if the ancient Starks were super evil, actually, and while the modern Starks are goodies now, uh, they seem to do stuff that spooks people out a whole lot. Uh, John gets famously stabbed about it, so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Jon Snow's still dead. Uh, he's been dead for 11 years now, mm. uh, because we've just been waiting on this next book. Uh, so there, there's... But oh, we can't have it, because George Martin's too busy writing Hot D. And, like, there's so many theories about what's coming next. So, like, there are tons of theories about how John will be resurrected, and there's tons of theories about what, like, Euron is up to at the Reach, and there's an old town and there's tons of theories about what's going on with young Griff. So if you want to read, you know, theories about what's coming, there's so many. Oh, I'd... we haven't even talked about, you told me that people are trying to write the winds of winter because they're sick of waiting. So they're just writing it. Yeah. There is a fan project. Oh, where... this, okay. I love this. Yeah. This is the good shit. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Oh, well, do you want to talk about George R. R. Martin's fan fiction that he's written about game of Thrones? Okay. Where, where Jamie Lannister fights, famous fantasy characters from other people's series <laughs> i was not aware of this please tell me in 2010 george r. r martin on his blog titled not a blog wrote a series of chapters uh-huh written in the game of thrones style told from pov of jamie where he fights other authors fantasy characters does he fight drist Urden? Does he fight the real Dristowerd in I don't, 69? <laughs> I don't believe he fights Dristowerd in, but he he fights uh, Hermione Granger. 
What? And uh, George actually has since deleted that post because... Um, it was too cringe? He thought it was too cringe? It was really, like, violent. Uh-huh. And I think some, like, Rowling heads got really upset about it. Uh, uh-huh. um, but yeah, like, Jamie, like, murdered Hermione, like, brutally. Um, that is so funny. He fought... I don't, I don't mean that it's funny that yeah. he, like... George Martin wrote a story of a woman being brutally murdered. I think it's funny that George Martin is writing these non-canon well, it, excerpts for his own IP. A lot of them seemed um, like very good-natured. Yeah, the the Rowling one seemed like he did not like J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. Like it just seemed kind of mean. Sure, and uh, I think that's why he took it down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's kind of hilarious that he. Uh, murdered Hermione Granger. Uh, I'm fine with that, actually. Um, who else did he fight? He fought a uh, Wheel of Time guy. He fought a guy Wheel from the Wheel of Time, Time books. Uh, he fought Cthulhu from H.P. Lovecraft. And uh, I think he fought uh, a couple other like fantasy characters who I did not recognize. I think he fought Aragorn from Lord of the Rings. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was like, Jamie talking to Tyrion about the next battle that he had to do. They were like in this death arena. Like they'd been like kidnapped. Oh, um, gladiator. Yeah. You. And like Jamie would go to Tyrion and be like, who's my next opponent? And Tyrion would be like, oh, it's Hermione Granger. She can only cast spells if she talks. So like hit her in the face and then she can't talk. And Jamie's like, all right, I'll do that. And then, oh, who's my next opponent? Oh, it's, it's Aragorn. You know, they call him Strider. Uh, he, he's a ranger, so get in close so he can't use his bow. And then, you know, he fights with his right hand. And he, he fights honorably, so fight dirty. Oh, who's my next character? It's Cthulhu. <laughs> I've been reading a lot about Cthulhu. Uh, it's hard to pronounce these words. And Jamie's like, I don't fucking care about books, Tyrion. Tell me how to win. I have dyslexia, Tyrion. Don't read books to me. Uh, um, it's super funny. Uh, you, you, the posts are out there. They're hard to find, but they're out there and you can read them. And I think it's delightful that George wrote the, this weird fanfic stuff. Um, a lot of fans find it kind of cringe. I think it's hilarious. I think it's delightful. Um, I have been surprised throughout my life how often authors do this, actually. It's it's not it's not super uncommon. Um, the the like queer modern uh urban fantasy is the word i'm looking for the queer urban fantasy series i've been reading lately uh the tarot sequence by katie edwards um he uh during covid like wrote several like vignettes about his characters like just living through the quarantine times Mm -hmm. on uh the island that used to be nantucket and is now new atlantis uh, and he also had this Google Doc where he wrote, uh, like, a little novella that, like, just for free about, like, and it is canon. Uh, he canonized it in his most recent book where he just, like, made a vague mention of it. Like, oh, yeah, we found a, we found a whole mall that was uh, incorrectly translocated once. Um, but, yeah, he wrote, like, a novella for free just on Google Docs that he would, like, he put the link on like his Twitter profile and you could just go to this Google doc and read this novella that he wrote for in between his, uh, his actual novels. Uh, so I'm, I'm delighted that, that authors do that. Even if it's a little bit silly, I think it's great. Um, 
I do not like these books anymore. Uh, but I was uh, previously very into the Jim Butcher Dresden Files series. And he would do that every Christmas. He'd write, like, what Dresden was doing on Christmas Eve. And uh, I always thought those were really cute. I really love Christmas. And, like, especially when I came out and had, like, a rough time with my family, I knew that, like, oh, on Christmas Eve, like, I can look forward to seeing, like, what lonely, dumbass Harry Dresden is up to. Uh, and that was, what like, sad, cute. toxic yeah. man Harry Dresden, comma, wizard uh, is doing <laughs> on Christmas <laughs> yeah uh so yeah i think that sort of stuff is cute um and like is this cringy because jamie lannister is the bestest sword fighter ever and he kills aragorn from lord of the rings and he kills cthulhu like yeah but like have fun george they're your toys do whatever you want with them yeah take your little barbies and mash them together in whatever configuration i mean that's essentially what i do in the miniatures game is i take my favorite characters and i mash them together so Mm -hmm uh it's delightful um anyway fan project winds of winter yeah so i i tried to find an update on this and i could not for the life of me find it because if you try and find anything in your search bar with fans winds of winter you just get a million clickbait articles written about like george's latest update because Mm -hmm. this book is 11 years late now um but I swear that this is a real thing that really started. It did lose a little bit of steam recently, but they are working on this where there is a fan project out there to write the winds of winter without George because fans are tired of waiting and they want to read the next book. And like certain people have volunteered to write certain characters. Cause like, that's how these books are told like Cersei two. And then the next chapter will be like, John 1. And then the next character will be like, Sansa 3. And then it'll be Cersei 3. And then it'll be Arya 1. You know, like, Mm -hmm. as the books go, you get the POV characters from each character. So, like, uh, I believe recently I have heard that, like, they were struggling to line up the chapters and like the timelines correctly anyone who's ever worked on a group project knows what that feels like yeah and like meshing the events together like i'm sure that is what george is struggling with because he has so many goddamn characters and he has so many pov characters now and like sowed so many plot seeds and he has to tie up so many loose ends they're all coming together now too Mm -hmm. like danny while not on her way to westeros yet like young griff has arrived in westeros and like that is going to pull danny here for sure like young griff landing in westeros and declaring himself to be the rightful targaryen heir is going to bring danny here so like i'm assuming book five danny or sorry book six winds of winter danny's showing up soon so like all of the plot threads are kind of coming together now and i think all of the characters being like on the same continent is really gonna like make things more fucking difficult to like make sure everything is lining up correctly because like if sansa chapters didn't line up with danny chapters it really wasn't a big deal or if you know doran chapters weren't lining up exactly sorry if arianne chapters weren't lining up with you know Jon snow chapters it wasn't a big deal because they're on different continents like it doesn't matter but like the timeline of events matters when everyone's in the same place mm-hmm 
So, uh, yeah, the last I heard, the fan project was kind of struggling with that as the characters were kind of all getting together. And I get that, but uh, I think it's a delightful project. I think it's really funny. Uh, I think some people are mean-spirited about it, which I don't find entertaining. Like, George doesn't owe you jack shit. Like, if George never releases Winds of Winter, that's his prerogative. It's his story to tell. Um, do I want to read it really bad? Yeah. Do I want him to take his time and make sure it's the story he wants to tell and not rush it? Yeah, because last time two people decided to rush through a Game of Thrones story, that's, uh, how we got the ending to the show that we all were mad about. So, like, take your time, George. Line it up. Tell the story you want to tell. If in the meantime fans want to do this huge project and, like, write their predictions for it and write their version of it and see how close they get. I think that's delightfully fun. I would read it. Uh, Frankly, I don't think, first of all, I think it's impossible to predict what is going to happen. It is simply not possible to know what's in this man's head. Even if you've, even if you've followed all the clues here to this point, it is simply not a thing that's going to happen. So I'm not interested in it from that perspective. I'm interested in their completely different take from completely different minds on how things should or could wrap up. Like, even if George releases Winds of Winter uh, before he dies, uh, I would I would still read this fan project. Yeah. Like, I think I might be more interested in the fan project than in the actual books, but I would read the actual books just to get background on this fan project. It, it, is, it is a wild thing and like this entire fandom is so fascinating to me because this this time gap this time gap between books of a really popular series with a fandom that only got bigger when the show came out i don't think there's anything else like it uh i I mean i can't think of anything else like it Mm -hmm. and so it is this really fascinating thing where everyone's kind of going a little nutso and the creativity that is like being stemmed from it, whether it be like rapid fan theories, whether it be uh, fan art and fan fiction, or whether it be like trying to write the winds of winter before George finishes, like all of this, like wacky stuff is going on. There's tons of video essays. The song fandom loves video essay. Like there's tons of these like big fan projects happening because we're all going nuts waiting and we don't know when winds is coming yet. Uh, So like, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a weird, fun microchasm of a fandom, and uh, it's it's very creative, and and I find it all all very fun uh, and and silly. Uh, I love these people and their weird fan theories, uh, even the ones that I think are really dumb. I think it's still delightful that someone like took the time to dig through these very big books to find their little evidence for it. And then highlighters and then write like a big ass essay on why they think Rhaegar Targaryen is Jon Snow's puppy. Like, do I think that's a dumb fan theory? Uh, yeah, I do. I don't think that ghost is named ghost because he's actually the ghost of, (laughs) of John's dad. Uh, I don't think John's puppy likes him because he's secretly John's dad. I think John's puppy likes him because he's a puppy. Uh, and puppies like people. Um, but, like, do I think it's delightful that someone else was like, hold on, ghost? 
ghosts are what oh, we ghosts call are dead, dead people. Ghosts are dead spirits. What if ghost is Rhaegar? Like, I think that's I think that's fantastic. I think that's what phenomenal. What if ghost is just a guy named Dave who got died in the next town over, and he's like, whoa, this guy sure seems nice. This guy sure seems nice. I'm going to be his dog now. Uh, and then Jon Snow somehow psychically knew that and named him Ghost, because he's the ghost of Dave from the next town over do i think it's silly that someone or that many someones think dario naharis is secretly euron Greyjoy? yes i do think that's silly i think i think think that's a bad theory uh they look very different they're in two different corners of the world they are very far apart from each other they are both doing very public things at the same time do I think it's fantastic that someone thinks that they're the same person and wrote a big essay on why they think it's true and they wrote they went through five books pouring over notes to back their theory up? Yeah, I think that's fucking delightful. I think that's awesome. Uh, and I'm going to keep reading people's bonkers theories and getting a kick out of them. Even the ones that I think are uh, just off the wall. I, I, I still find it all delightful. And uh, the ones that I really like, the ones that like make me think about characters in a new way or make me like think about themes on a deeper level fucking love that shit uh i think it's a ton of fun and it like encourages me to want to reread the books after like hearing that theory so um yeah my my point is that like fandom is great and fan theories are not necessarily fan fiction but the fan theories that this fandom is famous for writing i think is basically fan fiction i think it's the same exact thing uh certainly the same mental exercise is happening here yeah like, certainly the same uh, uh like level of dedication and the the same like sort of process of like cherry picking facts to to like drive into the ground like specific things uh, i i i generally like I, I i'm not in this but i do feel like a sort of affection for it in the same way you do some of these some of these make me really reflect on how we we definitely need arts education though because uh like people people do need to understand like themes Mm -hmm. and uh like parallels between characters and like narrative arcs that characters have because uh yeah like the Tyrion thing i agree with you uh like there's there's a reason that that should be the way it is and uh i i do think uh it would benefit the world at large if we did a better arts education that's not the fault of individuals by the way i'm not blaming individual people for not like being good at picking up on like themes in literature i think this is something that is very valuable to cultivate in people because it helps them to think critically and it helps them in other aspects of life uh so study humanities and art and stuff and not just stem stuff which is also important yeah the the thing with themes is definitely like a big one and i do think a lot of these fan theories stem from like these two characters both talked to this character about something similar what if they're the same person and it's like no like three people talked to Arya about what it means to die and like what death means because that's a huge theme in her like hero's journey mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like it's not because they're all jack and hagar like 
people don't like keep talking to Jon Snow about leadership and what it means to be a leader and what it means to make sacrifice because they are all secretly Rhaegar Targaryen. Yeah. It's because Jon's themes are about what does it mean to be a leader? What does it mean to make sacrifices? Yeah. It's because George Martin is writing all of these characters, characters. and it's not a coincidence. He did that on purpose yeah. because he decided that that's what people should talk to Jon Snow about. Yeah. yeah, and he George is exploring a theme through multiple different characters from and like those characters all have different perspectives on this theme. Mm-hmm. And like by having them talk to Jon we, the reader, get to see these different perspectives. Anyway, it's all fanfiction, baby. It's all fanfiction, and fanfiction is good. Wait, it's all fanfiction? Always has been. Maybe I will record the two fan theories I didn't talk about. The, the one that I love and the one that I hate. For the Patreon. Maybe I'll record a little something off on the side. But we've been going a long time. Oh, okay. Yeah, I might snip some of this out and put it on the Patreon. Uh, but that's, we'll see. That's valid. Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. You can do that. Yeah. Uh, No one's a time-traveling fetus, though. We can stop talking about that. No, yeah. It, yeah that's we, a dumb idea, guys. We, we Sorry. Can, it's bad. We can leave that one behind. Yeah. Um, Tyrion is not a dragon monster baby. Uh, he He's just a guy. And that's... That's what. That's the whole point. The whole point is that he's a guy who is Tywin Lannister's son, and Tywin's just a great big dick. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we can we can forget about the dragon babies. We can just mm-hmm. leave those behind in book one, like Danny did. Just throw it on the fire and forget about it. Yeah. Move on. Yep. Throw that baby in the in the dumpster. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I probably shouldn't talk about the the patreon because i haven't uh posted an episode in uh a long time by which i mean the normal amount of time but uh i only ever put the stinger on the end there with the patreon so uh if you want to give money to the where they may radio patreon you should do that and if you don't want to do that that's also okay but we have some bonus stuff on there i have a uh section in i have i have a bonus uh like half episode about uh abo the omegaverse you know you know the one so if you want to hear me talk about that and about trans stuff uh that's on the patreon just i'm just letting you know there's some great good neighbor stuff on the patreon yeah some good, really neighbors. good neighbor stuff on there i actually hadn't released an episode since good neighbors joined the network but uh good neighbors is on the wow, network now it's been a minute well i released one but i had recorded, recorded it before it for, that okay. happened yeah 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 so um yeah, Good Neighbors is on the the Where They May Radio podcast network now. You should listen to it. It's very good. Andy's in it, and they won an Audioverse award because they're a good actor. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did. I did. Uh, and we uh, we won some other awards too, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah, that's the one I know about because it's in our house. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, Good Neighbors won some Audioverse awards. Uh, I I specifically won one, which is really neat. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a good show. If you like uh, stories with themes, I'm going to talk about some themes. <laughs> if you like stories with themes, about, any themes. <laughs> about like found family and people coming together to overcome their trauma and people uh, trying to care for their community against overwhelming odds. And you like monsters and spooky stuff and gays. Uh, I think you'll like Good Neighbors. It's got all that stuff and, uh, and more. So go give it a listen. 
I'm really proud of it. I think my character uh, has a really great arc, and I think all of the other uh, cast of characters are phenomenal. So, there's a creepy old mentor guy in it. This is a theme that I like. Yeah, there's some sexual tension uh, with him. Uh, there's some monster fucking too. I don't know if you your listeners are monster fuckers oh yeah oh okay. for sure There's you some... guys don't correct me uh i know i know what you're about uh you don't have to say anything yeah i remember i haven't got to this bit yet but i know that people were um horny for the hodag on uh the hodag is a very sexual monster <laughs> uh much to our keeper lee's dismay uh don't he... google the hodag because the like Cryptid the Hodag is not sexy, but this one is sexy. Yeah, the Hodag is very sexy. Can confirm. Uh, all right. Thanks for being on my podcast, Andy. Thanks for letting me talk about uh my my Your hyperfixation. Yeah, my hyperfixation right now. I I I like these books, and I'm going. This is me lashing out, going crazy while I wait for Winds of Winter is coming on your podcast and screaming about how fan theories are the same thing as fan fiction and just just enjoy what you enjoy and don't talk bad about other people's shit. Uh, but yeah, thanks. Thanks for letting me on. I love you. I love you too. Fan Fiction is Good, actually, is part of Where They May Radio, a small family of podcasters just doing our best. You can keep up with Fan Fiction is Good, actually, on Twitter at fanficisgoodpod, and you can reach Evan via email at fanficisgood at gmail.com. For bonus content, including bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash wtmradio. Where They May Radio.